Our scripture reading is uh, a portion of 2 Peter 1 verse 4, not even the entire verse. Um, and then throughout the sermon, there are actually five other scripture texts that I'm going to be reading. And uh, so this is our scripture. There are five more coming up. Uh, let's hear God's holy and infallible word from 2 Peter 1 verse 4 first. He, God, has given us his very great and precious promises. So standing on the promises is our new sermon series. By one person's count, there are 3,573 promises in the Bible, which sounds pretty incredible until you hear that someone else counted 8,810. You're welcome to go check that out sometime and come back to us and let us know. Pastor Matthew and I don't plan on counting all the promises uh, for this series. Certainly there are hundreds, certainly there are even thousands, and our theme for these weeks ahead is that sentence from 2 Peter 1.4, he has given us his very great and precious promises. Even though we sometimes use the word promise a little flippantly in our lives, I mean, you can just hear your child say, I promise I'll clean my room. Yet, there is something special about that word to us. We, we talked last week about how marriage is not a contract, but a promise. And a promise is very special. A promise is almost sacred. A promise is a declaration that we are definitely going to do something, or maybe a promise that we are not going to do something, no matter what. Olivia and Hannah are my two oldest daughters. They're 14 and 12 now, and they really enjoy babysitting, and I thought of them when I heard about this story. After an evening out, some parents uh, returned home to their children whom they'd left with a babysitter. Uh, these were very rambunctious children, and the parents were pleasantly surprised to find the kids fast asleep. When the sitter had been paid, uh, just as she was walking out the door, she added this little detail. Oops, I almost forgot to tell you. I promised Logan that if he would stay in bed, you would give him a pony in the morning. <laughs> a little, little tidbit. Olivia and Hannah. You can bet, though, that that little boy was counting on the pony because the babysitter, an adult that he respected, didn't just say it, she promised it. Now, even our very youngest children realize that if you promise something, you really, really mean it. And then to think, like the Lord willing, we're going to going to be able to do together uh, in the weeks ahead, God has made promises to us. Our God. They are great. They are precious. And, and we're going we're gonna to look at a number of these together. Resting on and claiming these promises of God, I believe, can change our lives, can certainly encourage us. Uh, it can brighten our future. It can give us hope for today. God's promises can make our love for our God greater and deeper. I want to be 
a man who stands on the promises of my God. I want to do it with my family. A preacher, Vance Havner, once said, we're sitting on the premises when we should be standing on the promises. As pastors, we want our church to be standing on the promises, not sitting on the premises. This is a really appropriate Sunday to start this standing on the promises together. Thursday was Ascension Day, one of the great events in the life of Christ that the church remembers. At Christmas, uh, when we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we focus especially on our Savior as God's gift to us. Jesus is the gift of salvation. On Good Friday, we focus on the cross as the center of our faith, the time and place that our faith Our salvation was accomplished. And then on Easter, remember we talked about this year, we saw how the resurrection, if there's a word to talk about the resurrection and what it does for us, it gives us hope. Hope now and forever. The hope of our salvation. Well, what about Ascension Day? What's Ascension Day all about? Well, it turns out that there are many promises of God connected to Jesus' ascension, oodles of them. And so the ascension of Jesus, which doesn't get the attention it deserves by Christians, the ascension we can associate with the promises of our God, and we're going to hear some of those today, promises we can stand on connected to the ascension. First of all, Jesus promises to plead our cause. Romans 8.34 talks about the ascension into heaven and connects it to this promise. We read this there. Christ Jesus, more, who died, and more than that, who was raised to life, he is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. When Jesus ascended into heaven, we profess in the Apostles' Creed, he was seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's interceding for us there. To intercede is to intervene on behalf of another person. Uh, The Heidelberg Catechism talks about this promise in connection with the ascension and says, Jesus pleads our cause in heaven in the presence of his Father. He pleads our cause. Well, why in the world would Jesus have to do that? Well, Jesus does it because we've got a cause that needs pleading. He does that because we've got problems. We've got a a big problem at at the root of them all, and that's sin. Sin that deserves the wrath of God and his eternal punishment. We're separated from God because of it, says Scripture. The Bible also says all who confess their sin and believe in Jesus will be saved. Maybe you've heard of the bridge illustration It's a great, straightforward way to describe our need for Jesus. Uh, We have it always available on our welcome center, our welcome counter over there. It's a little pamphlet that helps explain why we need Jesus. It explains how to be saved. It's there to share with people you come across. Jesus, his person, and his work is the bridge to the Father. 
Jesus ascended to heaven and serves as that bridge right now to the Father for all who come. The Bible talks about Satan as the great accuser. He tries to get us down. He says in his accusations that we're not worthy. He reminds the Father that we're dirty, rotten sinners. He tells the Father that, that I, I've, been, I've been watching so-and-so. I've been keeping an eye on him. And you know, he doesn't deserve heaven. Satan is the accuser. But then, as Satan does that, we, we're given this picture of the Father on the throne. Every time Satan accuses the believer, Jesus, remember, is right there at the right hand of the Father, and he turns to his Father, and he says, no, 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 don't listen to the devil. That one is my child. She's with me. I bore his sins on the cross. Jesus promises you that he's pleading your cause in the Father's presence. Second, Jesus promises to prepare a place for us. In John 14, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the ascension. They didn't totally get it at the time that he was going to die, he was going to rise again, he was going to ascend into heaven. But but looking back, he predicted it all very clearly to them. Um, In John 14, 2, Jesus says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. We hear this verse a lot, uh, very appropriately, at funerals, memorial services. The Bible tells us about a house God's children are headed to. It's a house with many rooms. So if it's a house for all God's children with many rooms, that's one big house. It's where all God's people are going to be gathered in glory. Men and women and children Every language, all kinds of nationalities, all skin colors in the Father's house one day. In heaven, in glory, rich and poor. You know, in our, in our world, where you live, what kind of house do you have, what, what you look like even, that can be a big separator. You know, in our world, people in mansions and expensive cars don't mix with regular folks so much. People in rough city neighborhoods are totally separated from those who live in the nicer suburbs like, like we have around our church here. You know, decades ago, the leaders of Timothy Christian School had to move that school out of the neighborhood it was in because of threats by the school's neighbors to harm students who were African American. It's terrible. People have trouble relating to people who are different from them, whether it's a difference in their skin, type of job, income level, age. But the Lord promises one house for all his people in glory, and it's going to be beautiful. And, and the church of Jesus can reflect that oneness already now. Not perfectly, not nearly as perfectly and fully as heaven, but this is something to think about church and and work on you know it's it's easier to just reach people like yourself sort of be a church that targets a certain age group that targets a certain income level that targets a certain type of people 
But there's great blessing in looking ahead to that promise of the Father's house and, and ask God to give us a foretaste of heaven in, in the church here today. May, may many different people experience the, the beauty and the, and the blessing of belonging to the Father's house here at Faith. Psalm 133.1 says, How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. Remember a couple months back that sermon in the Who Is He series where we talked about the silo mentality. Human tendency, and we've got to admit it, it it's, it's your tendency, it's mine too, is to build silos with people like us. And then the human tendency is to look with suspicion at other people, with suspicion at other silos. That's what the world does. That's how the world operates. Instead, in the church, we can break down those silos and experience the richness of diversity in the Father's big house. And, and when you come across a challenge because of a difference between you and a brother or a sister in Jesus, just stop. And think and keep in mind that promise of the Father's house and God's call to unity today. And, and we're called to resist our natural instincts to build up the walls and remember that our unity in Jesus is greater than any difference we might have and ask God's help to do the sometimes hard work of ministry and worship with those who are not precisely like you. We'll all be richer for it, and we'll experience today in our midst already the start of the fulfillment of this great promise of Jesus. We're seeing it in action at faith already. Think of the great diversity of ages that we have. Where else do you see all the ages come together in our world? In most other places, it's just certain little narrow group of ages. But, but we're blessed with just a, a great, wonderful diversity of ages. We're blessed with diversity of income and diversity of professions, careers, jobs. And, and more and more every year, we're experiencing the blessing of diversity of backgrounds. And that, that's something we can keep working on and thinking about together. Newer believers, people who didn't grow up perhaps in a church background like ours, we welcome all to the Father's house. The promise of Jesus ascending to prepare a place for us is a beautiful comfort too. When we think about the challenges of our life today, the stresses, the problems, Jesus is preparing a better place. This makes me think of, of my, my mom, mom and dad especially, especially my mom. They live in Allegan, Michigan. It's about two and a half hours from here. And a few times a year, we as a family will go to visit them, maybe for a few days, maybe even a whole week. And that's good. Life is busy. Life is hectic. Life is filled with responsibilities, there's school, there's work, but, but when we go there uh, to my mom and dad's house, we get a little rest. We can veg, we can sleep in. The pressures of life are lessened, and, 
And as I look ahead to those times away, I know that my mom is preparing a place for us. The beds that we're going to sleep in are going to be nicely made. The house will be clean. The fridge will be stocked. She knows my girls especially enjoy those little bottles of juice. You know what I'm talking about? They know what I'm talking about. But there's little bottle, glass bottles of juice that we never get at home. But Grandma has them, and they all four of them enjoy them still, just to be clear. And I mean, just, just thinking about it makes me feel relaxed, makes me feel comforted right now. We feel loved, and when we arrive, she receives us with open arms. And that leads us to a third, very closely related promise of the ascension. Jesus promises to take us to heaven. Jesus promises us that he's up there preparing a place for us and we'll enter the Father's house. We'll enter the Father's perfect rest. Jesus says in John fourteen three, If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. What a great and precious promise that is. It's enough to help you keep on keeping on, isn't it? Knowing what's coming. You know, sometimes when we have a little vacation coming up, maybe it's a month out, doesn't that help you when you're really stressed, life is crazy, just knowing the bit of reprieve is around the corner? Okay, I can make it through the next few weeks knowing there's some rest at the finish line. I I see it on, on Facebook and these are the sort of things that people post that make everybody else jealous. People count in the day to whatever the Caribbean vacation, 44 more days, and they keep counting down. Well, the ultimate rest is coming, brothers and sisters. The ultimate rest is coming, eternal rest. We don't know the exact day, so we can't count it down by the day. But Jesus says he's coming soon. And we know that every day that passes brings us closer to the time when Jesus' preparations will be complete and he comes back on the clouds as he went up and takes us to be where he is, as he promises he will. There's another promise connected to the ascension that we notice in the Bible, and it's that Jesus promises us the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7 says, But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Talking about the ascension. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And the counselor, we know from other places in Scripture, is referring to the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. That's where we celebrate and remember uh, the coming of the Holy Spirit to the early church. And we're going to save talking about that promise of the Holy Spirit for next week, Sunday morning. For this morning, one more promise, a fifth one. I told you that there were a bunch of them. Jesus promises us finally his presence. In Matthew 28, verse 20, as Jesus is giving his disciples what what we call the Great Commission, And just before he ascends into heaven, he says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the promise of his presence. How can he make a promise like that when he's just about 
to leave. How can he promise to be with us when he's going away? Well, it's because he's Jesus. And Jesus has two natures. He's completely human and he's completely divine as he needed to be to accomplish our salvation. In his human nature, Jesus is not with us on earth anymore. In his human nature, he's in heaven. And yet, we talk all the time about Jesus in our hearts, Jesus in our church, Jesus in our homes. Well, we can do that because he's fully divine. And as his, in his divine nature, as our catechism really beautifully says, in his divine nature, Jesus is not absent from us for a moment. Jesus is not absent from his children for a moment. What a promise. He never leaves you or forsakes you. It's kind of easy to read in the Bible. It's not too hard just to say it. You can say it, but is it really true? Pat Koning has shared with me how this has been true for her in this last year, and I don't think she'd mind me sharing this morning. After I announced this new sermon series last Sunday, she was here uh, the last couple of Sundays. Some of you saw her maybe. After I announced the new series, she shared with me just a bit, and she'd done this earlier as well, that uh, in the midst of, of Reverend Koning getting cancer and then going home to be with Jesus last October, and in the hard weeks and months following, living without him, she talked about how she has experienced God's presence. Jesus has been with her. She misses her husband dearly. But she has learned that though Lee has gone to heaven, God's promises have not gone anywhere, is how she put it. God's promises have not gone away. Though her situation has changed dramatically, nothing has changed the promises of our God. And so she's been turning to those promises these much, and she's been standing on his promises by God's grace. William Carey was a great missionary in history, and he said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And that means the future for you and for me is very bright indeed. Amen? The future is bright for us individually. Jesus is with each one of his children personally. And he promises to be with his church too. Remember that this last promise that we're talking about was given as Jesus commissioned his disciples to do the work of the church, to go and make disciples of all nations. Jesus promises us his presence in the work that we're called to together as God's people, that means. This past week, the biggest study of religion in America since 2007 was released. All indicators show continued decline. The results are not ambiguous, they're clear. Continued decline. The nuns, that new group that 
we've talked about in recent years who say they are not affiliated with any Christian group went up from about 16% of the population in 2007 to 22% of the population in, uh, in 2014, I think it was. Every single Christian religious group is down in affiliation and in attendance since 2007. Sobering. We're living in changing times. And of course, the study went out and no solutions offered, just giving us those facts. But then we remember that Jesus' promises never change. The church will continue. He will be with us. He will never leave us or forsake us, no matter what's going on in this world. And in the strength of his presence, of him being with us, we can stay today and continue to say it in the midst of it all as for me and my house, no matter what's going on, no matter what the people polled are saying, no matter what's going on in their heart, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And we will say that this house, faith, will serve the Lord. And we vow not to sit on these premises, but we vow to stand on the promises. We can't go wrong because He goes with us as we bring that transforming word, as we care for others with Jesus' love, as we equip people to serve out there. And so there are oodles of promises surrounding the ascension of Jesus. Years ago, someone shared about overhearing two little girls who were friends who were counting over their pennies. One said, I have five pennies, and the other said, I have ten. No, said the first little girl, you have just five cents, the same as I. But the second child quickly replied, my father said that when, I get home to, when he gets home tonight, he's going to give me five cents, and so I have ten cents. The child's faith gave her proof of what she did not yet see, and she counted it as being already hers because it had been already promised by her father. May God give all of us faith in our father. All these promises are yours. They're ours because Jesus ascended into heaven.